if you don't know much about our West Irwin Church of Christ, other than what you've seen today, you know that we're all about relationships. Our wonderful, incredible Young at Heart group, our terrific children's program and ministry, our Bible classes, our wonderful youth group, as we continue to keep our youth minister search process in our prayers and the committee, the candidates that are working with that, and our young people, all of those that participate in so many various ways that are a part of this congregation. And as we began last uh, Sunday, we've been, we're going to be looking on Sunday mornings during the sermon time at the way Jesus handled relationships with people while he was a human being here on this earth. Very powerful story and sharing that our brother Chris Condor shared around the table was so appropriate and so much a wonderful look into what the church should be. You know, the closest relationships that Jesus had with anyone on this earth were with his 12 apostles. You might say, well, wait a minute, Bill, what about his earthly blood family? And we're going to talk about that next week on Father's Day. But when you compare the relationship that Jesus had with them and the relationship that Jesus had with his closest disciples, the 12 apostles that he lived with literally 24-7, during those few years, then we realized that those were the people, those 12 men were the ones he was closest to, more so than anyone else in his earthly ministry. And so I want us to take a look at that special relationship that Jesus had with the 12 apostles today. And we begin with their calling. Uh, Jesus called them one by one, or as our kids say, Jesus called them one by one, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and that's as far as I will go. Um, Well, I could probably do the rest, but uh, hopefully you can do the rest as well. And it's one of those things that we forget the powerful moments that were involved with these men and how critical it was when Jesus called them and how selective he was when Jesus called them. We get a little bit of a look at that in Luke chapter 6 and what went into that beginning at verse 12. One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Special designation, those sent with a special message, a special sending, a special calling. And then they're listed, verse 14, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. What a group. (laughs) What a group. Some fishermen, uh, some very open and loud individuals, some that we don't know much about, so we're likely quieter when the group got together. You have individuals like Matthew, who was a tax collector, a publican, seen as a sympathizer uh, with the Romans. 
And you have a man, Simon, who is called a zealot. <laughs> and that group was, one of, was a sect of the Jews who were saying, hey, let's, let's, let's get back to that Maccabean revolution kind of thing. Let's, let's overthrow these, these, uh, these oppressors and have our independence again in the same group. And Luke makes a special point to tell us that Jesus spent the night praying about this before he did it. The Son of God prayed for this moment because he knew, he knew how significant what he was about to do would be for the church of all time until he returns the second time. You've heard me say that the most critical commandment that calls us to pray are those two simple words, Jesus prayed. And if the Son of God prayed, and here the Son of God prayed all night before making this momentous decision, how can we not pray? Other passages of Scripture speak about this. Of course, Judas Iscariot denies the Lord, uh, takes his own life, and then in Acts chapter 1 is replaced by Matthias, who was also there with them from the beginning, who had also seen the resurrected Jesus. And yet there was so much more that went into this. If you're watching online, hopefully you can access the sermon outline here in our bulletins. It's there, and there are lots of scripture passages that tell us about that. For example, Luke chapter 5. When Jesus is first interacting with some of these disciples and, and it's that incident where they've, they've been fishing a long time and nothing has been uh, caught and, and Jesus tells them to cast the net out and they do so anyway after he had been teaching them for a while. And they, rate, they, they catch so many fish and then Peter goes to Jesus and he throws himself at Jesus and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Simon Peter. The special calling that, that we see Jesus interacting with some of those early disciples is there in those passages in John 1 and Matthew 4 and Matthew 9, the story of calling Levi, Matthew, the tax collector. Several of the disciples, the apostles, had a couple of different names, and so the list may be a little bit different. Nathaniel was also known as Bartholomew. Remember, he's the one that said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Whoops, <laughs> don't think he, reg he regretted saying that a little bit. Of course he did. Matthew, also known as Levi. James, son of Alphaeus, also called James the Less. Perhaps because James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, probably, and as we'll see in just a moment, certainly were closest to Jesus than some of the others, including this James. Later on, that would designate him uh, from that would differentiate him from James, the brother of the Lord. Thaddeus was also known as Judas, son of James, and again, to designate, to differentiate him from Judas Iscariot. And later in this series, we'll talk about Jesus and his relationship with the other apostle, the apostle Paul. But today we're focusing on his relationship with these 12 men, these 12 apostles. Jesus called them one by one, and he told them to follow him as we have sung today. And so the next question is one that you might not expect, and that is, did Jesus play favorites? And before you say no, of course he didn't, that may not
not be completely accurate. We can say from the beginning that he played favorites because he only selected 12 apostles. Again, he was very selective about that. Prayed a lot about it and then chose 12 out of all of his disciples that were following him. Because he had a special mission for them. And so he called on them. But in a sense, there was another subset within those 12. And if you watch This Is Us, then we could call it the big three. <laughs> like the children from that series. Or the Three Musketeers. Or more in line with Bill's entertainment um, value, the Three Amigos. <laughs> but Jesus had three out of those 12 that were special. Peter, James, and John. Why do you say that, Bill? Well, there are a few scripture passages listed there. Luke 8, Luke 9, and Mark 14. But you remember the story of Jesus raising the daughter of Jairus, synagogue leader, from the dead. You remember how Jesus went and was interrupted along the way by that woman who had a bleeding disorder and he healed her, took the time to heal her. In the process, Jairus' daughter dies and Jesus says, don't worry, just believe. Let's keep going. But when he gets there, he goes inside to heal that girl and he takes only with him the parents and Peter, James, and John. Everyone else waits outside. We also see him taking Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was transfigured before them. And Moses and Elijah stood there. It was only Peter, James, and John who witnessed that. And then in Mark 14, as we know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus takes his disciples in, asks them to pray for him. But then he takes three disciples, three apostles, a little bit further, deeper into the garden. Peter, James, and John. Well, did Jesus play favorites? Well, I think we can say he was selective. There were those three experienced some of those special times that the others did not. Doesn't mean they were more faithful. Doesn't mean they were more righteous. Doesn't mean they were better. It just means that those three experienced some things with Jesus that no one else did. And as we think of those three and we look at those passages that are listed on the outline, we realize that there were some things that they did that were incredible from there. Peter and John, the first two who were arrested in the book of Acts, in chapters 3 and 4. And then, of course, all the apostles arrested and, and persecuted, actually beaten and flogged for the first time in chapter 5. In chapter 10, it's Peter who is there with the first Gentile convert in his family. And in chapter 12, it is James, the brother of John, who is the first apostle killed for the faith. And that incredible revelation that happens on that Isle of Patmos while he is on exile is revealed only to the apostle John. Of course, they write so much of the scripture as well. And so you have Peter, James, and John, but then you ask, well, what about those three? Did Jesus play favorites between those three? Well, you would think no. However, you look at those passages in John 13 and John 19 and John 21, and there's one person in all of scripture, one apostle who is described as the apostle whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And that's the Apostle John. Now, granted, it's John who is describing himself that way. But remember, John was the last of the Gospels written, perhaps one of the last of the books of the Bible written. And for him to be so bold as to say that, it's obviously an act of humility. He didn't even want to use his own name. 
So he used that description of how he was known. The disciple whom Jesus loved. In John 13, when Jesus is meeting with these apostles at the Last Supper, and he tells them one of them is going to betray me, Peter sees John up there close to Jesus, and he kind of nudges him and says, find out who, find out who. (laughs) In John 19, he's at the cross, and Jesus sees the disciple whom he loved and his mother. He says, you take care of each other. You take care of her, John. In chapter 21, after the resurrection, we see Jesus a couple of times interacting with that disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, if the question is about favoritism, you could expand it again to ask if Jesus played favorites by singling out the 12, not just the three or the one. But I believe it is more of an indication of Jesus' leadership style and of his plan to evangelize the world. And I got to tell you that this is something that's been a struggle for me and for all ministers. Because we want to be friends with everybody in church. And everybody in church wants to be friends with us. And I love that. I love that. Joyce and I have always thankfully been able to interact with people of all ages. And have been accepted by them. What a blessing. But then you have to ask yourself, well, Bill, how hard is it for you to be especially close to maybe a few? Or maybe even one? best friend. And that's hard. It's a balancing act, I can tell you. And you do that without uh, seeming to play favorites. You do that without destroying relationships with anybody else. But we all need those close relationships. We need to find that balance. And do we have that in the church today? Do we have those close friends? Not just in life, but in the church. People who will be there for us when we're struggling people that we would run to when they're struggling. We see that in all of these groups, the youth group, the young families, the young at heart, all of those involved in Bible classes and every other aspect. We want that. We want that for everyone. We want that for everyone that's a member of this church. We want that for our new neighbors that are coming. Where is that, Galen? There, there. Okay, there. We want that for them. We want that for each other, and we need that. We need that closeness. And so lastly, Jesus discipled the 12 apostles. He discipled them. That that term just means he helped them learn. (laughs) He taught them. A disciple is a learner, literally. And we're all learners. We're all followers of Jesus. We're all disciples. We've talked about that term in sermons before, especially as we worked through the book of Acts a while back. And in Matthew 16 and Mark chapter 10, Jesus disciples these disciples, asking them, who do people say that I am? And they interact a little bit. And then Jesus tells them, here's what it means to be the son of God. Here's what it means to be the savior. Here's what it means to be the Messiah, trying to prepare them as best he could for what's going on. And it seems that time and time and time again, During those few years, Jesus would bring his apostles aside and he would tell them, look, love the crowds, but the son of man is going to be betrayed and I'm going to be forsaken and I will be turned over to the authorities and and they'll, they'll raise false charges against me and I'll be convicted and I'll be sentenced to death and I'll be crucified, but I'll be raised again. 
And they never understood that. So much so that when it happened, they were surprised. And yet he had told them so many times. Even after his resurrection, Jesus is still discipling them. In John 21, he has that interaction with Peter. Do you love me? Then keep my commandments. Don't give up, Peter. I realize that your faith has been destroyed. That the man who was always the first to speak out is now quiet and wondering if he needs to go back to fishing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Really all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the story of Jesus discipling these 12 men and getting the word out to everyone else. It's an old preacher's story about Jesus after he returns to heaven and he's there after the crucifixion and the resurrection and now he's ascended and he's talking with the angels and they're kind of surprised because there he is and, and there's so many lost people still on the world and they said, why, why did you come back already? And he says, well, I have a plan. And they said, great, what's your plan to evangelize the world? And he says, well, I, I'm gonna leave some men in charge down there and they're gonna get the message out and they're gonna spread it to the whole world. And the angels say, really? That's your plan? Yeah, that's my plan. Well, what if the plan doesn't work? And Jesus says, I have no other plan. That's my plan. For disciples to make disciples. Starting with my apostles. Historical tradition tells us that all of the apostles except Judas, who betrayed him, of course, were killed for their faith. John died at an older age, of course, but it was while he was in exile for his faith. 2,000 years after Jesus chose and called these men, the church that Jesus established through these apostles is still thriving. And so I'd say his plan worked, and his plan is working still. His plan is working through you and me. So as we close today, when Jesus called his apostles, he told them very simply, follow follow me. And again, we've sung that in all of these songs, follow me. Jesus calls us, his disciples today, to do the same, to follow him, wherever that might lead. In Luke chapter 9, again, that passage of scripture that talks about how Jesus was there and how what it means to be the Messiah. And, and he says this in, in Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 22. We'll start at verse 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Following him is not easy. He never said it would be easy. He simply said he would be with us and he called us to do that. Today, Jesus still has no other plan. He calls each of us saying, follow me. He has no other plan than for us, his disciples, to make disciples. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus will be home sweet home. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. My cross, I'll carry till I see Jesus. We can help you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ Christ of Nazareth. Come as we stand and sing this great song of decision.